Ah, oh, thank you so much. Um, I always ask as I begin for higher power to help me say something useful for somebody in the room. So, um, and, and I'm a little fuzzy this morning. I had the, the COVID shot yesterday. I was so grateful to get it, but it, uh, my arm started to ache and I was up half the night. So if I'm disjointed, uh, I, I really value being here and, and appreciate, um, appreciate the opportunity. Um, you know, I try to stick to whatever the topic is when I do something like this. And um, a few years ago, they were asking for uh, writings on relapse for our newsletter. So this is what I wrote. What is relapse? Relapse is when you can't do the things you need to do to take care of yourself. It starts with taking shortcuts on the time I spend on maintaining my recovery, not finding the time for reading the morning not finding a few minutes to do a writing, not being prepared with the foods I need to maintain my abstinence. Relapse says to me, I have enough, I have enough time in the rooms. I can coast. It convinces me I don't have the time to be disciplined about working my program or do service. That's the lie of the disease. And then one day I wake up and my skirts are tight. I used to think that self-knowledge was the answer. What I think now is that I can understand a lot of reasons why some thinking pattern or habit developed, but self-knowledge won't help me stop doing harmful things. What helps me change my behavior is coming to meetings, practicing the tools of the program, working with a sponsor and praying. Those things help me follow through on my desire for a new life. As Liz Bailey would say, inch by inch, it's a cinch and by the yard, it's hard. So who does relapse hurt? Everybody in my path. I'm selfish, critical, resentful, and have no patience for seeing the other person's point of view. When I'm working a recovery program, I take the time to take care of my physical needs, pray to live a better life, and I make a lot of effort to be careful with others. Bottom is a good place to begin. From that place, I can develop a beginner's mind and become teachable. What I know for sure is that God is not exclusive about who he offers recovery to. He doesn't say you, you have your grandmother's piano legs, recovery is not for you. He doesn't say you have buck teeth and blue eyes, recovery is not for you. He doesn't say you failed so many times, you're not capable of recovery. What kind of God is that? I believe he says, reach for me and I will hold you up. I believe he puts people in my path that can help me begin again. I see life-affirming transformations every time I go to a meeting. I believe recovery is possible today because I've seen it in others. And I think we're innocent when we get here. We don't know what the problem is, and no one ever told us. All my life, I was told I just needed a nice diet or a membership in a health club or another weight loss gimmick, and I would be okay. But if you have a food issue, OA is the masterclass, my opinion. No one talks about this malady or understands the magnetic pull of the food like the people in this room. So I came to program in 1981. Uh, I asked Rita if she would put up one, uh, one of the pictures that uh, I, I sent her. Um, this is um, what I looked like as a kid and before I came here. Um, I was a fat kid, a fat adolescent, a fat young woman. That's, that's good enough, Frida. Thanks so much. Um, I was 100 pounds overweight as a teenager. Um, 
and and you know the fashions when I was uh, when I was young were mini skirts and polyester. Twice I got down to a normal size, and then when I moved back home, I gained it all back with a rebate. I um, and how did I get here? I found out from my mother, who I ha always had an adversarial relationship with. When my kids were about three and four, she came down to my house. And at lunch, I offered her a piece of cake and she didn't have any. And I said, do you want a diet? She says, I'm on the OA and I go to meetings on Morris Park. And I called that night and nobody called me back. And then a year later, when I had the gift of desperation, I called and somebody said, there's a meeting tonight. And I went to this uh, this church over on the other side of town, and there were 90 people in the room. There were smokers on one side and non-smokers on the other. And I was uh, mesmerized by the woman that, that uh, led the meeting. She had lost 200 pounds. And after the meeting, I went up to her and I said, how do you do this thing? She says, you see that girl over there? She's got six weeks more in program and she's available to be your sponsor. She said, you get a sponsor and you get a big book. And that night they had the dignity of choice was a little trifold pamphlet. And I picked a food plan from that. And this girl was just six weeks ahead of me. And she was so kind. I don't know that I would have come back if somebody hadn't held out their hand to me that night. So I picked a food plan and I followed it to the letter because I was so grateful that somebody was gonna listen to me or help me in this thing. And nobody was su more surprised than me. When I had 30 days of abstinence, I was 30 years old and I had never done that before in my life. There are some foods I haven't eaten for 39 years, one day at a time. And I can tell you today, they were like a plastic plant and I wouldn't put them in my mouth if somebody put a, a gun to my head because I know that they create a phenomenon of craving. And um, that's not something I want back. It was pretty hard for me for the first five years. Even Dr. Bob in the big book says that, you know, it wasn't an easy road for him. But, and, and I feel in my case, there's a grief involved with giving all those celebratory things out, trying to find out a different way, you know, to be with people when those occasions happen. But I was worth it. Um, in the beginners meetings, I heard stories of transformation and I was just um, mesmerized. Uh, I heard people tell about how they had the car accident and they didn't eat and how, the, how they, the kid was on their last nerve and they didn't eat. And I was um, overwhelmed because I heard people say unflattering things about themselves and I knew it was the truth. And I could believe in everybody else's recovery because, because I felt that they were telling the truth. It says in our step two, before we joined the OA fellowship, our prayers for help might've gone unanswered because we were never meant to face this disease in isolation. We were meant to open up so that we might truly learn to love others. The first time I read that, I said, wow, Maybe that's the truth. Could it be possible? Um, and I love the OA 12 and 12. 
uh, there is a, a good pamphlet for um, from OA World Service on um, suggestions. It's called Welcome Back, Suggestions for Members in Relapse and for Those Who Care. I'm going to put a picture in the chat later on of it in case you might want to look it up. In that, it says, surrendering is not giving up. It's deciding to cooperate with ideas and actions that are not our own. It means deciding to take the actions others have taken to arrest this disease, starting with getting a sponsor, committing to an honest plan of eating, working the 12 steps, etc. For me, that says surrender says say yes to this program. Say yes to the, to the things that are going to help me get well. In the beginning, they said, identify, don't compare at this meetings. Yesterday, when I was on the birthday party, they, uh, somebody reminded me that uh, they used to say, and I quit the debating society. And um, many time that, times that phrase has gone through my head when I was debating something in my head. I'm just going to do the next right thing today. Um, they said, make phone calls. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. And the first woman I called, I said, this is my first call. And she said, your phone call was like a gift from God to me. And I calmed down and, and I started to try to do this. Um, and, and I began to ask people what they were doing that was good for them. And, uh, you know, I've had a lot of nice conversations on the phone, got some great ideas. And I, I still make phone calls today when I'm on my, my, my walks, when I waddle around this development here. They said develop a spiritual life. The beautiful thing about this program is that it's inclusive. The concept I have today is very different from the ideas I had growing up. It's, I believe God is God as I'm learning to understand him today. And to do that, I have to make time to check in. Uh, my opinions, and you know, nobody's ever paid me for that, is that I believe my higher power is a force for good that has my back. My opinion is that God knows my name and he knows yours. He doesn't care what you call him. Some people, you know, that don't have, haven't brought up, been brought up in anything, call him truth, love, and beauty. I know that sometimes angels with skin on turn up when I need them. They answer the phone. They're the tech host. They, they took the keys to the meeting to keep the doors open so there was some place for me to come. I can find this evidence looking back over 39 years at all the synchronicities that have happened that I felt that have been for my good. Um, one of the most spiritual people I ever met said um, she felt our definitions, the words we describe this higher power were too small. So if you don't have any concept, hang in. It's not any barrier to having a, a spiritual experience. I've had about three or four profound experiences over 30, 39 years. And uh, I couldn't schedule them. I couldn't push it. I couldn't shove it. They just happened when they happened. And my first one happened when I was about eight weeks in. I called up Peggy the nurse. I said, Peggy, I have to be strong. I'm going to Oma's. She's a great cook. And she bakes for me when I, when I come. And she says, sweetheart, you don't have to be anything. You just have to ask God to help you. So we're sitting at the table on Saturday morning. She's been baking for two hours. It smells fabulous. And I started to sweat because I thought I was in trouble. So I take my little four-year-old kid 
I said, you know, Maureen needs to exercise herself. And I went out to the driveway and walked up and down and up and down for, um, for a half an hour. And, and I just kept saying, God, help me. I need help now. And about halfway through, I had this feeling that somebody put a warm blanket around me and I was going to be okay. And, uh, and I was, you know, I, I, and, and I went back to my meeting and said, I got through that abstinent. You know, I never had a feeling like that before. And each time that's happened, the next day you have to get up, you have to go to the post office, you have to do the shopping, you have to do the laundry. But I knew in my heart something had touched me and I was being, I was being held up. Um, recovery for me is not, it's not an upward climb. It's more like a wave. And about six years in, I was thin and I was having trouble with my food and I knew I had never done um done the steps thoroughly so I picked the strongest woman I could find and and I asked her to be my sponsor and she says no I don't have time and then uh about four weeks later she comes up to me and she says I have time you uh write down your food you call me every day at 5 30 and about after 30 days we're going to do the steps so we began um and then the first thing she had me read was the doctor's opinion it took six years in this program for somebody to point me, I didn't even know it was in the big book, but explains beautifully the physical, emotional, and spiritual patterns that are interwoven that cause, that cause me to have a response to food. I have my sponsees read this for the first discussion we ever have, and it's a great place to begin. So it was Christmas time when we got to the the fourth step and the ego is always in the background saying, you don't have to do this. That time it said, it's Christmas and you're going to be depressed. So I said, you know, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm going to be able to do this now. It's Christmas and I'm going to be depressed. And she said, sweetheart, I take people one to 12, your choice. Um, she said, but you deserve the way you're going to feel when you finish those steps. And I knew what I had been doing before. Um, was getting me nowhere. So I hung on for the ride and we, she gave me this, this inventory. I'm glad we, we, we do the four column inventories. Now this was called the seven deadly sins and it was deadly. Um, and I, I thought, how the heck am I ever going to do this? But I had small children at the time and we used the timers for everything. So I would get out my timer and I'd say, okay, we're going to write for 10 minutes. And if after 10 minutes, I haven't written a thing, um, I'm released. And it's funny, that timer would go off and I'd be sitting there writing and writing because I only wanted to do this, this once. Um, and the resistance would disappear. So where did it go? I don't know. Every time I'm cranky and make a phone call, where does the, thank you, hon. There was, um, a beautiful man who has passed away, who was a, a great circuit speaker for us. And uh, Richie, he was like listening to St. Francis with the Brooklyn accent. And he would say, can you give yourself 15 minutes a day for a life better than anything you could have imagined? The surprise for me in that fourth step was that nothing, there was nothing there I didn't know. And telling another person 
took some of the pressure off me and it was the beginning of my healing. I found out my part in some of the resentments, surprise, surprise, that I had been living with. Um, in one step study I did later, um, they were doing the four columns and the instruction was to write the name of the person that you had the resentment with in the first column and stop and say this prayer for, for them every day. It's a variation of the resentment prayer. God, this person is perhaps a spiritually blocked person. Whether they are or not, this resentment is blocking me spiritually. Please help me to show the same tolerance, compassion, and patience that I would cheerfully grant a sick friend. Please forgive me for being angry and enable me to stop clinging to this resentment. Please remove this resentment and show me how to take a kindly intolerant view of this person. Please show me how I can be helpful to that person. I will be done. I sometimes use that prayer even when I'm not doing a fourth step. And, and I found over the years that something changes in me when I'm sending positive thoughts to someone else. I become more open to the truth because love and judgment don't exist in the same place. If I'm wishing somebody peace of mind and great health, I am not sending them death rays and I'm not cutting off my own good either. So we got to six and seven. And one of the most important parts of the change process, they helped me to put a pause in my responses to things. When I'm fearful, I turn, into, I turn to step two and try and turn the situation over. Do I believe that there is a higher power? Do I believe that higher power is smart enough to help me? When my kids were young and they were having difficulties, um, my friend said to me one time, remember, God loves them more than you do. And I said to her, you know, you're the only person I would tolerate saying that to me. But it's true. You know, I have to allow others to develop their own, um, their own responses to life and have their own, their own uh, life experiences. <laughs> The last time I went through the steps, I wanted a game plan for change. I went through the four columns and the woman said to me afterwards, she says, how many years you've been here? I said, about 35. She says, you have 39 character defects. I said, aren't you glad I did some work before I got to you? So I made a list of those 39 things. There it is. That's my official list. And on that list, I put everything she said. And then I searched around for what was a better way to do this. So instead of critical, I wanted to live and let live and be fair and kind. Instead of impatient, I wanted to be even-tempered even and patient. Instead of jealous, generous and contempt. Instead of immature, which happens from time to time, I said, all right, I want to see the grown-up on board. Um, procrastination, uh, perseverance, and, and being efficient, inconsiderate caring and generous. So that's what I'm going for. And, um, you know, with, with the help of the people that have helped me here, maybe I'll get there. One of the great teachers of the steps say that when you've worked through these attitudes and character defenses, you don't have to teach anybody how to be kind or loving. Those qualities are there. They're just pushed down by the shame and the regret of the defects. It takes patience and perseverance and persistence. You're going to see those, those words over and over again in our, our literature to develop better responses. 
But that's when life starts to shift. And then we got to eight and nine. One of my favorite authors says, nothing changes without apology and forgiveness. It says in our OA Step book that we practice step eight and nine to learn the qualities of mercy and forgiveness. I thought I'd never, never seen a more beautiful phrase. Um, this woman, I said to this woman, I haven't seen these people in 15 years. I don't know how, where they are. She says, could you go to the library and look in the phone books? I found every address. Um, the ones I, I wouldn't be seeing, um, I wrote letters to. And I said, you know, they're, they're going to think I'm a crackpot. I, I don't know about sending this. She says, it doesn't matter what they did. It matters what you did. And so I said that to myself on the way to the mailbox. It doesn't matter what they did matters what you did. And after I mailed the letters, I felt like, wait, thank you, Nick, fell off my shoulders. And that if I saw them that day, um, I would not, I wouldn't be uh, ashamed to go and say hello. Um, there was one big one in that list. And, um, and I thought, this is the one that's never going to come out of the closet. But I decided that I was going to going to try to make amends for uh, my part in a relationship that I was very ashamed of. So I, I found this person, called them up, and I said, I'm really sorry for my part in this. And I said, is there, is there anything I can do to make it right? And he says, you know what? Um, I wish you well. And um, don't feel sorry for me. I have a good life. And, and I was shocked. He was incredibly generous. I got off the phone and I started to cry like I was going to break in half. And, and I heard this voice and I don't hear voices. It said, isn't it about time you forgave yourself? We don't realize how much, how much is pushed down by the negative feelings. But I can tell you, I believe, I heard this the other day and I said it right on. Without forgiveness, we remain prisoners of the path. And step eight and nine gives us an opportunity to be free. We don't forgive to be nice. We don't forgive to be good. We forgive to be free. So the steps help us to heal our hearts and the traditions help us to heal our relationships. They help me to speak respectfully towards others. I always ask my sponsees when we go through that part of the step book, what do you, what do you see in here that you can use to help you do better in your life. This year, I've been using Tradition 10. I use all of them, but this year, Tradition 10 is, is, um, was most important to me. It says, OA has no opinion on, out, on outside interviews, issues, hence the OA name or never to be drawn into public controversy. It means that if I come here, the most important thing is that I'm a compulsive eater. Well, I turn that around for my family. If I'm... Um, if I want the family to be whole and strong, then its unity is most important. And I had this uncle who recently passed away who loved to argue about politics. And every time he would start, I would, I would say, you know, Uncle Al, you're a good man. And you deserve to have your opinion. But you and I disagree. And so when we're together, this has to be a no politics zone. And after a while, he ceased and desisted. You know, there was, there was no, um, no negativity in that. It's just, uh, you do you and I'll do me, but we're not going to fight about it. 
um, I need a lot of touches in this program to keep this program vital for me every day. I have a praying chair where I take all my calls and I do my writings and readings. I respect myself enough to have a space, my own special space in the house. When I'm uh, overwhelmed and concerned, I speak kindly to myself. And, uh, you know, fear is still a big thing for me at times. I say to myself, it's okay, sweetie. This is just another growing experience. God knew about this one too. And like Liz Bailey would say, if he leads you to it, he'll lead you through it. So, and sometimes I have to forgive myself first. Now I forgive myself for getting older, for having a crumbling spine, for not knowing how to react when somebody doesn't, doesn't want to help me. I forgive myself for not being hip slick and cool. What I know today is that the result of working the steps is that I'm a strong woman. And strong women can afford to be gentle with themselves and with the world. And I'm very grateful for every day I've had in the program and all the women that have helped me to find some skills for living. I didn't know I was looking for a new life. Okay, I'll, I'll, um, but my kids have never seen me over 200 pounds or drunk. Today, I have some great days where I know I'm in the right life what I value today is peace in my soul and having a good heart towards others. And that's something you can't write a check for. I never felt this way when I was eating. Um, but and I know that the life wheel turns and there's gonna be growing times. So what I would say to everybody here is take your turn. People want you to be well here. It says in step one, the admission of our powerlessness over food, open the door to an amazing newfound power. Say, say yes to this program and see how it feels in your chest. Life can be different. If you change your thinking, you'll change your life. And the steps come in order for a reason to bring you home to your own hearts. And that's the point. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your time. I pass. Stop.